Thanks for downloading today's Science Storytime. Before we start, I have a couple of notes from the Corrections Department for the episode. Number one, Hershey, Pennsylvania. Hershey Park is definitely in Hershey, Pennsylvania, not in Harrisburg. However, Hershey Park is what's known as a census-designated place and is not incorporated. Hershey Park is actually in Derry Township, which is 15 miles east of Harrisburg. You know, in case that bit of chocolate trivia was going to drive you mad with rage as you listen to the podcast. Number two, the Admiral Bird that neither Edward nor I can place was a polar explorer who visited the Arctic in 1926 and the Antarctic in the late 20s and late 40s. People also cite his visits to the North and South Poles as evidence for the flat earth and hollow earth conspiracy theories, which are both delightfully crazy. Number three, the Orient Express is not part of the Trans-Siberian Railroad as it ran from Paris to Istanbul before ending its service in 2009. So if you wanted to enjoy luxury train travel across Europe, I hope you have a time machine at this point. Number four, I kept pronouncing the name of a star as Beetlegoose when in fact it sounds the exact same as the movie Beetlejuice. That's what happens when you read science books, but nobody ever said any of these words out loud. So I think that's it for now. You can always drop me a line at sciencestorytime.com. Uh, that's not right. At sciencestorytime at gmail.com. And if you have any comments, suggestions for future podcast topics, or if you just want to let me know how you did on today's test, I would be glad to hear from you. And if you could rate and review me on iTunes, that would be wonderful. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to Science Storytime. Today's topic is the Thomas Edison job test with an accountant. So... Edward, welcome to Science Storytime. Thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so Edward and I went to undergrad together at the University of Texas, but uh, more importantly for this story, we were both in New Jersey in 2009-2010. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, around that time. Uh, while I was in graduate school and Edward was working for a theater company. Um, since then, Edward has gone on to get his master's in accounting and is getting ready to go to... Rice for an MBA, so you are uh, a scientist of numbers and business. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if that's how you want to put it. But, so about an hour north of where we were living in New Jersey is a small area past Metuchen off of Route 1 called Menlo Park. Edward, did you ever go to Menlo Park? I don't think I went to Menlo Park, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. I've been to Menlo Park, California. It's a much <laughs> different. Say, it's a much Park. different Menlo Park, but uh, the Menlo Park in New Jersey is actually based off of the Menlo Park in California. Interesting. That's why it has the same name. What is in Menlo Park, New Jersey? Uh, at the moment, there's a whole bunch of like industrial research facilities. So there's some pharma work that goes on there. And for people that listened to the last episode, there's a research facility for BASF, which if you listen to the last episode, you'll remember as the Nazi chemical company. But uh, Menlo Park is famous because there was a man who worked there who was known as the Wizard of Menlo Park. All right. Have you heard of the Wizard of Menlo Park? I've not. So Thomas Edison was given the nickname the Wizard of Menlo Park due to his involvement in developing a lot of the technological marvels of sort of the late 1800s, early 1900s. So this included things like the phonograph early efforts in the telephone, electric railways, electric lighting, motion pictures, and a lot of the aspects of power utilities that we still use today. So, so I have heard of him. You're just a trickster. I am just a trickster, a right. rapscallious knave. Who... But I, I thought it was interesting. <clears throat> I, I didn't quite realize that he was as involved in that area uh, as he was, which is why it's now called Edison, New Jersey. 
Ah, well, I have been to Edison, New Jersey. Once again, you prove your trickster nature. Names change. Things differ as time goes on. All right. But uh, in order to carry all this research he was doing, Edison needed two major things. He needed a lot of space, and he needed a lot of people. So the first he found in his New Jersey facilities uh, in Menlo Park. This was a multi-story building occupying two city blocks containing all the material that Edison thought would be necessary for his work. He had over 8,000 kinds of chemicals, uh, general fabrication materials. He had every type of screw that was created at the time, mm -hmm. every type of electrical wire, as well as a lot of more exotic materials like uh, various types of cocoons, oils, silks, feathers, shark teeth, deer horns, and human hair of various varieties. I don't know what he was doing with the human hair. Um, maybe been testing the combustion properties of it or something. Or... I actually really appreciate that sort of... Uh... Victorian, late Victorian ethos of just you have if we just put everything together in one place, we will learn everything about it. Yes, my favorite recent thing I was in London at the uh Surgeons Museum. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the specific, but like, yeah, the guy who just like it was just one guy who collected every weird possible thing that he could from around the world. Yeah, there seemed to be this sense of like the obligation to memorialize and make a museum. So uh, I guess an encyclopedia is probably a better way of putting it. Like people will come and see these things and learn from antiquity and history and we shall continue that line onward into the future. Edison, I think, had some feelings in a similar area of like get things together, get stuff in one place in order to uh, carry out the research to continue, to continue these works in the direction that he was hoping they would go. The goal of these facilities was very straightforward. One was create knowledge, and two was to control the application of that knowledge. So Thomas Edison had, in effect, created the world's first industrial research laboratory. Okay. Um, and use this knowledge, he would go on to help found the General Electric Research Laboratory in Schenectady, New York. So it was kind of like the precursor to like Bell Labs or Google about 150 years ago. So he was kind of a man, man before his time in a lot of respects for this. So the second thing that Edison needed was people to staff this research facility, which that was a lot harder to come by. And that's probably because Thomas Edison was an enormous asshat. I'm, I'm sure people have heard, you know, all the stuff about him electrocuting elephants and... Yeah, he didn't like Tesla. Didn't like Tesla, although Tesla was his employee for a long time. But then he just royally screwed him out of a lot of the work that he had done. Uh, and they kind of parted ways after that. We'll actually come back to Tesla a little bit later. Okay. Uh, in this discussion. Uh, he liked to work people really hard, and he would frequently get into, like, screaming matches, um, although this might have been due to his partial deafness. So he couldn't hear people that well, so he would yell at them, they'd yell back, and then he would scream at them more. Um, by all accounts, it was a pretty unpleasant way to interact with your boss, especially one that liked to have as much control over proceedings as Edison did. This sheds light. The last time that I saw Edison mm -hmm. was on top of the Eiffel Tower, in Eiffel's little apartment, because Edison is up there with him. But they didn't seem very happy to be hanging out with each other. Oh, wait, what? What's going on? Have you never been to the top of the Eiffel Tower? I've never been to France. Oh, well, you're missing quite a bit. But at the top of the Eiffel Tower is uh, literally Eiffel had a small apartment built for himself. Okay. That he could entertain people. And uh, there is a sort of uh, 1960s Disney era, like, yes, wax <laughs> castings of like Eiffel and like Edison what? sitting there. Yeah, like, 
you know, the great minds of the day brought together. Please tell me that Eiffel is the one that's like, yes, it is totally me and Thomas Edison and also, like... I don't know, like... Plato is here, too. It's <laughs> unclear if, like, Eiffel was, like, of all the people... I'm sure all the dignitaries, mm-hmm. but, like, that he's like, yeah, Edison. Edison was that? Was one. that the 1880s when the Eiffel Tower was built? Yeah, I think it was built it was for, for World the 1900 Fair. World's Fair, right? Uh, or oh, no, it was that St. Louis. It had... Uh, 1904 was St. Louis. I yeah, so that it was in the 1890s, things. and but it lasted long. It was supposed to only be like a temporary installation. Yeah, and it just much like the San Antonio Riverwalk, still there. Oh, I didn't know that. My that parents, was the hemisphere, though. Let's not oversell it. My parents went on their honeymoon to the Riverwalk uh, during the one week of the year that it was dredged, so it was completely empty, and it was like old shoes, and it smelled real bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Well, if they'd have got in there, they probably would have found a good amount of jewelry. That's that's also true. So also, all the inventions that were created at the park were legally um, attributed to Edison, even if the work was carried out by somebody else. So he liked to have a lot of control. Well, you're a, isn't that still sort of the case for the most part? Like, isn't like at Google you get your hour of your own thing, but doesn't that Google own that anyways? I'm not exactly sure how that works at a private industry. At least um, at Princeton, anything that you came up with while working there became the intellectual property for monetary purposes of Princeton, but it was still your thing. My impression, I could be wrong with this, is that this stuff got attributed to Edison. It wasn't even like Joe Schmo worked on it, but Edison gets to control it. It's like, you work for Edison, he gets the sort of the name and the fanfare. Oh, okay. Again, might be why he was a little bit of a difficult person to work for. Coinciding with Edison's need to do a lot of hiring, uh, from 1900 to 1920, the number of college graduates roughly doubled in the U.S. from 26,000 to about 49,000. And due to his fame, lots of aspiring young scientists from around the nation wanted to work for Edison. However, Edison, who never went to college, didn't think a lot of these fancy lads with their book learning, and designed a fairly stringent competency test that an applicant would have to take uh, in order to work for his company. Okay. If you wanted to work for Edison, you'd have to show up to his building. You'd have your resume or whatever that you'd give to some initial screener. That person would check to see if they thought you'd even be a good fit. And then you'd be given a questionnaire to fill out. uh, And then you would talk to Edison himself about being hired. But for this questionnaire, if you scored below 90%, you were considered bad material, and you'd be shown the door before you even got to talk to Edison. I mean, you're talking to someone who's, like, in the application process or management consulting firm, so I'm right there. Along with having created the first industrial research facility, uh, Edison had also created the first formalized job interview. Before this, no one had really done the entire process of, like, both interviewing the person and having, like, a set of questions you had to fill out to take an initial test before they would hire you. I tried to look before this. There was like an army personality test that might have been before this, but this seemed to be the first one that was applied actually to hiring, hmm. as far as I could tell. People went completely bananas over this job questionnaire. Uh, the New York Times wrote several articles on it, and people came down really hard on one side or the other, whether they thought it made any sense at all. So people passed it around as the definitive IQ test. Like if you could take the Edison job interview IQ test, then you were the bee's knees back in like the 1920s. Okay, so the first Mensa. Yes, yeah, it was very much uh, in that vein. So 
uh, newspapers would give it to recent college graduates and then they would conclude that society as a whole was producing stupid children because people weren't doing very well on this test. Now we do that with the, can you pass the eighth grade math test? Yes, yeah. 1900. <laughs> Facebooking everybody the core competency questions or yeah. core curriculum, whichever it's called. So the way people knew what the test questions were were by people going in, applying for the job, and then they would just try to memorize as many of the questions as they could, and they'd write and send them to like the New York Times or that kind of stuff, which is sadly not different from the way the, the SAT and stuff is gamed these days. Fun accounting fact for your science story time. Please. It is illegal to do that for the CPA exam. Really? Yeah. It is because of we have to take a fiduciary oath about... I mean, it goes all the way back to like Sarbanes-Oxley and uh, Enron and the like. But ah. Yeah, to get your CPA now, it's all very, very ethical. I, that's a good thing. Yeah. So critics of this exam said that it was nothing but random questions designed to make Edison feel smarter, uh, while Edison said that the knowledge was critical to assessing whether a candidate was a dipshit or not, and he also asserted that every single mistake made in his facility cost him $5,000, which seems a little steep. But of the first 718 men, uh, because no women were allowed to take it, to take the quiz, only 32 received passing grades. Okay. Which is a pretty pretty rough number. Like, that's, uh, you're, you're cutting things down. So that's like 5%. Yeah, it's like 5%, yeah. yeah. But I guess if you only need to hire 32 people, then, well. Deloitte likes to say we're harder to get into than Harvard. We only accept, like, 1% of applicants, so. These are good, presumably good jobs, yes? They're, they're very good jobs. Prestigious. Uh, for the time. There's a lot of prestige involved. Um, I couldn't find how many people he actually had working for them at any given time. So he certainly wasn't hiring everybody based on this exam, but he was hiring a lot of people based on this exam. Yeah, I guess what are your feelings on this? Like you have lots of hopefuls showing up. No one's ever had this kind of process to go through before. And then all of a sudden you're turning away 95% of your applicants in order to, I, don't know, I guess, just take the absolute cream of the crop. One, it's sort of my experience of mm -hmm. the type of American. I mean, for elite I think jobs, it's very you have to improve elite skills. Yeah. Yes. Two, when we say no one's ever done this before, we're being a little uh, Western-centric. The Confucians were doing this since, like, the 7th that's, century. That's absolutely true. The yeah, civil, civil service, service exam was around, which served the same purpose. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think back to it. I, I feel like as I was taught in like sophomore year of high school, that an awful lot of that was poetry as well as accounting, which I don't think is a bad thing. You have a liberal arts undergraduate degree too. I know, <laughs> and I love it. Yeah, but I, it seems, I mean, also we're, these are pretty technical positions, I mean. Some of them are and some of them are not. So I, I wanna give you a couple of sample questions from this, from this exam to give you a sense about what it looked like. Okay. All right. So question one, where and what is the Sargasso Sea? Sargasso Sea. Mm -hmm. I have no idea. It's a stagnant portion of water in the Atlantic near Bermuda that kind of traps material in it. So it's an enormous sea that's only full of seaweed. Hmm. Interesting and gross. Yeah. It, very gross. It smells pretty bad by all accounts. Sure. All right, so here's a question they only asked of potential carpenters. All right. Who was emperor of Rome when Jesus was born? Oh, wow. So if you want to build some cabinets for Thomas Edison, you need to know the answer to this question. 
Well, but Jesus was a carpenter. Jesus was a carpenter. Like, I assume that's I think there's the connection, but... As an accountant, I had to learn a fair amount about the history of accountants. I know about Deloitte and Touche, Ernst and Young. But, I mean, if if you're doing your journeyman project in carpentry, you think, like... Now, hold on. Here's the book where Jesus shows you how to make a real good joint fitting at the end of the... Well, but that's a whole... I mean, at the time, like... And until fairly recently, like, an idea of uh, general learnedness Mm -hmm. was important, right? Absolutely. But I think you're stalling. Can you answer the question? Can I answer the (laughs) question? I can't. Go... uh, My Roman hierarchy stops with Pontius Pilate, who's way below. He was the governor of Galilee. Do you know who the first emperor of Rome was? Caesar, Julius Caesar, right? No. Oh no. He was the he was the person that was stabbed and then shifted things over into the uh Caesar Augustus? Caesar Augustus, that is correct. It, it was the same Caesar Augustus? Same Caesar Augustus, yeah. Hmm. Fair enough. Moved for a long time. So actually, Edward, you know what? You're a smart guy. Uh you've got a broad background. We were at this, as you mentioned, this broad based liberal arts education early on. You're going to get an MBA, your accountant. I actually, uh, I actually have the uh, the test right here. Wonderful. So, I uh, I've taken a selection of uh, about seventy seven questions here, and <laughs> we're gonna see whether or not you are capable of working for Thomas Edison. I'm gonna be extremely upfront here. I took this test. I did not do well. I don't think I'll pass. <laughs> I did not. Because the trick with those, like, oh. Eighth grade math things is like, uh, everyone's pretty good at memorizing ephemera for a short period of time. At some point, I was told that Caesar Augustus, probably during my, um, like, 13 years of Catholic education, but, all right. So, Wonderful. first question. We even brought it up earlier, so I know you've been there. What countries border France? Belgium. Mm-hmm. Spain. Switzerland. Germany. You got one more easy one. Italy. Yes. And then the Netherlands? No. No, it's about Germany. Luxembourg? Yes. Now you have two just real deep diggers. <laughs> oh. I'll give you a hint, they're both on the southern side. I figured it'd be down there. It's down in that. Mm, I don't know. Andorra? Andorra. And Monaco. Isn't Monaco an island? Nope. Wow. Maybe really they Macau. But Monaco's Monaco. where Grace Kelly was the princess. Yeah. Well. It's, uh, it's right it on the in... southern end next to Spain. It changes my whole perception of James Bond. Yeah. I thought many of those things were on the island. <laughs> also, I should have mentioned, this quiz is from 1921. So we were looking for the 1921 answers to these questions. Okay. What city in the United States leads in making laundry machines? Laundry machines. Let's guess. Let's see. Manufacturing centers in 1921. Unless there's some place that I don't know of called like Kenmore, Pennsylvania, like there is with Hershey. Uh, this one's a fairly large city, so you're not having to guess like Paris, Texas or something. Okay. Well, manufacturing, steel-based, so you got to go northeast. I'll go with Pittsburgh. Chicago. Chicago. Mm, I was geographically Uh, close. However, today this primarily occurs in Ohio, so Chicago has lost the crown. It's not in Mexico? That's what Trump said. Uh, Within the United States. Oh, okay. Within the United States. So, who knows? We can do some (laughs) fact-checking on Trump later on. 
Is Australia greater than Greenland in area? Yes. The answer is yes. So if okay. you think about it on a map, Greenland yeah, is huge, was... but it's the Mercator projection. It's uh, falsely inflated. That's uh, Westwing bias. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Where is Copenhagen? Denmark. Denmark. It's a lovely city. Ever been? I have not. I had like a 36-hour layover there. It's the only place I've been in mainland Europe. I had a fantastic time. Wait, you... Well, we should go to Europe sometime. I... I've never had a fantastic... Not a fantastic time anywhere in mainland Europe. It, it seems really lovely. I've, uh, I've been to England for a little bit, but I've never been to mainland Europe. Wow, that's sad. <laughs> What's the point of getting a PhD if you don't get to go to Europe? I, I've gotten to visit a lot of other fun places, but Europe's still on my list. Where is Spitsbergen? Czechoslovakia. I'm trying to ask at the time. Czechoslovakia. Spitsbergen is actually uh, part of an island in the Arctic north of Norway. Well, there it is. Uh, so my lab actually had, uh, since I do Arctic research, we had a lot of peat samples from Spitsbergen. It's on the island called Svalbard. And uh, I know someone who's on an expedition there where a member of the party was eaten by a polar bear. Wow. Not, not the best. They forgot to set a night guard, and a polar bear came in and ate a kid, 17 years old. Well, I mean, that's rough. Uh, what country other than Australia are kangaroos found? What? There's... There's one other place that kangaroos are hanging out. New Zealand? Interestingly, no. It does have a new in the name, though. New Guinea? New Guinea. There's New Guinea kangaroos. There are New Guinean kangaroos. I'll give you that one. Interesting. Who was Bessemer, and what did he do? Henry Bessemer. Bessemer. Hmm. I have no idea. Neither did I. English engineer, he popularized the process of making steel by taking carbon out of it uh, using an air blast. However, since then, that's proven to be some bullshit because it actually existed since the 11th century and was described by the Chinese scholar Shen Kua. Once again, the Chinese already did it. Thanks a lot, Thomas. Chinese already did did it. Did he crib this whole exam from the Chinese? I feel like that might be the case. He, uh, we'll, we'll see. He, <laughs> he cribbed a lot of this from a lot of places, and it's interesting to see what's changed as time has gone on, including this next one. How many states in the Union? Wait, as of 1921? 1921. I mean, we were 48 at that point, right? 48, that is correct. We did not add Hawaii or Alaska until 1959. Yeah, we had to fight against the Soviets. Who was Paul Revere? He was a silversmith and a founding father who rode a horse to alert about the British. Yeah. Nice. Does anyone know anything about Paul Revere that wasn't in that poem? I No. Okay. No, they don't. And there's no reason to. Who was John Hancock? Uh, he was a signer of the Declaration of Independence, mm-hmm. the largest signatory. That's ever. all that they have him down for. Do you know anything else about him? Wasn't he from... I feel like he was from Delaware, but that might just be the Hancock entrance as the Delaware Corporation because they have Cayman Island level of corporation laws. That would actually make some sense. So he was governor of Massachusetts. Massachusetts. But he was also a merchant smuggler, and the Brits hated him. Huh. Because he was just like, oh, your laws? Excuse me while I poo-poo on them. Yeah. I hope that he smuggled things, and somehow, like, when the British investigators, like, put it together... (laughs) 
they like pulled back some sort of covering <laughs> and where the crates were supposed to be is just a huge like signature that says Hancock. Hancock. Damn you. <laughs> sort of a we're that old Hancock's at it again. Duke yeah. boy style. He always leaves a giant signature in any of his crimes. Twirls his mustache and rides off in the distance. Who was Plutarch? Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> Because I knew the name, and I could not tell you for the life of me what he did. Yeah, that's really the thing. It's like... Oh, yeah, I remember that name. He's the guy that did, um, uh... Whatever he did. He was, uh... One of the... Kryptonians who didn't believe jor about, uh, the impending doom of their planet. <laughs> close very very close that might have been before he was a Greek and Roman citizen he wrote the parallel lives uh, really big on morality he was a Platonist and he was the head priest of the Oracle of Delphi so yeah that's I guess that he was a philosopher just from my general associations yeah. but I had no idea I couldn't have answered what he talked about but yeah the answer that they give is a Greek of the first and second centuries AD okay. and it's like okay I guess if you didn't know that then yeah. Well, screw you. Who was Hannibal? He was the Persian leader who came across the mountains with his, like, bajillion elephants. Ooh, Persian? Wait. Oh, no, the Carthaginian. Yes, absolutely. But isn't that... Uh, ooh, Cortana, none of your oh. business. Yeah, I conquered most of Italy in the 3rd century BC, held it for 15 years. No, but isn't Carthage the same area as Persia? Swamp. Eventually, no. Uh, Carthage was in northern Africa. Huh. I'm my geography wrong. Yeah, but he was eventually defeated by Scipio Africanus. Uh, who was Solon? I have no idea. I've never heard that one before. Athenian lawyer who set the groundwork for democratic governance, and the quote "count no man happy until he is dead" is attributed to him. So I'm not. A, have you done more research about these things? Uh, I've done a little bit more. Can you explain to me what democratic governance means as opposed to, I assume we're saying the Greeks were like republic? Uh, I, th I actually think before him they had more of a dictatorship style thing. So I think he's actually one of the people... But the that Athenians had a republic. Sort of a Hammurabi style. He put forth a set of codified law, I believe. So he was like, here it is, it's public, here's the set of responsibilities that we have towards you and you have towards us. Let's get it down for everyone to get a hold of. Um, before that, I think it was a little more willy-nilly, and you had just people in charge that maybe decided things on the fly a little bit. Well, that's how you do it. All right, here's one that's been in the news at least a little bit more recently. News. Uh, popular culture. Who was Leonidas? <laughs> he was the dude with the beard who screamed a lot in <laughs> yeah. Zack Snyder movies. Definitely, uh, with he of the giant abs. Yeah, so he's a Spartan leader at the Battle of Thermopylae. That is 100% correct. Uh, he's really good at flexing and kicking people into endless pits. Yes. Where did we get Louisiana from? The French. Mm-hmm. We bought it. Thomas Jefferson. We bought it in 1803 for $15 million, and we got 827,000 square miles. So yeah, we... pretty much everything, but... Texas and California and Arizona and Mexico. So at the time, we paid less than one microcent per square foot. And even with inflation, that's still a pretty good deal. Yeah. What war material did Chile export to the Allies during the war? 
Okay, the so we're nineteen twenty one, so we're talking about the Great War of World War One. The Great War. So I'm trying to think what was important in like so maybe like sarin gas? Mustard gas. Im- important components for the manufacture of a lot of gases and gunpowders and stuff. So saltpeter? Saltpeter. Oh, okay. So if you listen to the last episode, we talk about uh, the role of Chile in exporting saltpeter to the great powers during that time. Huh. Edward, where is Korea? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really weird question. It's pretty close to Japan. <clears throat> it's like Eastern Asia. Yep. I mean, it's like hard to describe. <laughs> it's one of those weird little <clears throat> peninsulas dangling off of China. A peninsula on the northeast coast of Asia. Uh, so it was actually under Japanese rule in 1921. Yeah, there's a lot of Japanese who still think Korean or Japanese. Yeah. But this is an interesting question because I don't think your average dude in New Jersey would know this in 1921. Like, I'm sure that's a very, that might have just been a very confusing question. Yeah, I guess, see, but I guess I would say if you went to a college, mm-hmm. you're still in that era of, like, the great learnings. A lot of these, like, ancient history might be easier yeah. than, than modern Eastern history. Yeah. And it is for <clears> us now. Just because the focus was so much more on, like, we beat Latin into you since you've been five years old. and let's Yeah, well, that was the whole... I mean, they were still kind of, like, they were just left behind Latin as the language yeah. of learning, so... Oh, my God. I spent so much time reading Latin. I, I, it did nothing for me. I mean, I, I picked up some stuff, but it does not help me anymore in my life. I never read any Latin. I have a personalized translation of the Aeneid, if anyone wants to read it. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, you did the whole thing? Yeah. I took five years of Latin. Yeesh. Over that period of time, turns out you can churn through the whole book. There you go. It was not very good. So it goes. What is the highest rise of tide on the North American coast? What, like, uh, is this now we're we looking for like a certain amount of feet or meters? We are looking where? for both the how high and where. So I don't know. If you can hit one or the other, I'll give it to you. I thought it was like Anchorage and like 20-something feet, but... No, astoundingly, uh, the highest rise on the North American coast is actually the highest one in the world, and it's 70 feet in the Bay of Fundy between Nova Scotia and New Brunswick in Canada. 70 feet. That's the highest it's ever been. It averages 50 feet. Well, I mean, that still blows my mind. But you can literally, you can see pictures of, like, piers where high tide abodes the top of the pier and low tide is just sitting on ground. Hmm. It's astounding. Who invented logarithms? I didn't know we could trace this to an individual person. I mean, the word invented is kind of discovered the relationship. Yes, yeah. (laughs) Described it as logarithms. Coined the term logarithms. Uh, yeah, he, the person actually puts it as description. Well, I'm trying to think, like, would logarithms be before or after calculus? Or about the same time? I guess... I think this was after. Yeah, I would assume after, because our understanding of, like, forces and scale got so much bigger. Um, It's kind of a you-know-it-or-you-don't one. No. John Napier. Nope. In his... uh, And he described them in a book that he called Description of the Wonderful Rule of Logarithms. 
They are kind of wonderful. They are kind of wonderful, and he knew it from the get-go. Logarithms are also a thing because I don't ever use them in my daily life, that every six months or so I have to relook up what they mean and how it works. So much logarithms. They're good. They're useful. Who was the emperor of Mexico when Cortez landed? Don't overthink this one. It, wait, like an Aztec emperor? Mm-hmm. Quetzalcoatl? No, that's the god. Tenochtitlan's yeah. the city. That's all yeah. I got. This gentleman had his revenge as time went on. Oh, Montezuma. Montezuma. Aztec emperor, king of Tenochtitlan. During his reign, when he defeated chieftains in battle, they were ritually strangled and then had their families taken as slaves. Cheery yeah. fellow. Where's the Imperial Valley, and what is it noted for? Well, like, the Imperial Valley is, like, inland from L.A., right? Mm -hmm. And it's where they put the people who can't afford the nice places in L.A. <laughs> I'm going to give that to you because I had no idea where the Imperial Valley is. It's in Southern California on the Mexico border, and in 1921, it was noted as being the place where melons came from. Huh. Okay. Now, I mean, I've driven through the Imperial <clears throat> Valley. I just can't think, like, when you say, like, what's it noted for? <laughs> no, just desolation and sad. Yeah, well, the sadness has only gone up since 1921. They, were the, they had that, like, lake that they kind of, a man, they did, like, a man-made aquifer, and, like, they built up a whole, like, suburb, like, oh, this is great, like, pretty relaxed weather, no rain, except close to there is what's the Salton Sea. Hmm. And the Salton Sea is just because there's so, in the ground, there's so much water. So they like stocked the, this man-made lake with fish and beautiful built suburbs. Mm -hmm. And like one day, like all the fish were dead because the salt like seeped <laughs> into the water. Up, yeah. yeah. And like now there's like a, literally the ghosts of a 1950 suburban dreamscape turned into a hellscape out there in the Imperial Valley. It's only gotten worse, so rather than just melons, they now grow diversified crops, but the reason why the Colorado River is dry before it reaches Mexico is because they take so much of it in the Imperial Valley that the Colorado River is just a trickle. So is that the same Colorado River that goes through Texas? No. So there's two Colorado Rivers depending on which side of the Rockies you're from? Yes. Well, that's just ridiculous. There's enough words out there. <laughs> what is the greatest known depth of the ocean? Okay, all I can remember is, like, that the Mariamas Trench is deeper than Mount Everest, because I've seen, like, the little pictures. Mm-hmm. It's something like, I want to say I've heard, like, 10 miles, like, that's the order, like, forty to 50,000 feet deep. Uh, you're within an order of magnitude. The current one is Challenger Deep, and that's at 36,000 feet deep. Okay. Which is... Deep. Pretty deep. But what's more impressive is that at this point, in 1921, uh, the one that they had was 31,600 feet deep at Nero Deep near Guam, in the Marianas Trench, the same area. Mm -hmm. um, but they discovered it in 1899. How did they measure it? Because they, they didn't ropes. have sonar. They had freaking ropes. You would drop a rope over the edge with a weight on it and just keep going until it didn't... Another fun accounting story. I had to do, like, inventories of massive Dow manufacturing, mm -hmm. chemical plants... And I had to climb 10 foot or 10 foot, 10 story silos and drop a rope with a weight. What? Until like, what? until you feel it hit something and then you're like, man, and you're like, all right, 27 feet down. That's the inventory count. Edward, they can give you like a little IR reflectometer to tell distance. Okay, here's the thing that you scientists in your fancy Princeton ivory towers <laughs> think that everyone has it. No. 
your average, you know, now granted massive petroleum processing plant is not going to equip all their tanks with IR because they don't care how full they are most of the time because they go through them so fast. But no one equipped you with another one. rope on a string? <laughs> like, no, they didn't. They, that's what they did. And there's a guy whose job literally is to approximately daily climb like 40 different 10-story oh. silos and drop them down. Edward. <laughs> and then... Uh, but some of them didn't even have holes in the top, so the oh. only way to do it was by banging on them and sort of assessing oh. sonically how full they were. There's such a better way of doing that. Expensive. No, not a, cheap. Very cheap. The margins that petroleum processing come run off of are. Oh, you there's a reason that they hike up that they st stick you on gas prices because <sighs> you're not as good a negotiator as Mattel and every other plastic manufacturer that's a sad story to me <laughs> they're raised thin margins my friend oh what is the capital of pennsylvania oh my gosh that's one of the non-obvious states right i'm trying to think of that. oh yeah i i could not have told you the answer to this i'm singing the animaniac song in my head right now <laughs> Oh, this hurts my brain so much that I can't answer this. I'll Fifth grade me slapped me across the face. I'll give you a hint. It starts with an H. Harrisburg. Yes. Do you know who the primary employer is in Harrisburg? Other than the Pennsylvania state government? Other than the, like, the largest non-government employer. No. Hershey the Chocolate Company. Which very but it has its own city. Which very I've been to Hershey, Pennsylvania. Has their theme park, Hershey Park, in Harrisburg. It was opened in 1906. I don't know why. So I guess I've been to Harrisburg <laughs> because I'll tell you that I've been near and by the theme park, mm -hmm. and they call that Hershey, Pennsylvania, which is also definitely a place. So yes. I guess they're kind of the same, but Hershey is a suburb of Harrisburg. No, they're kind of like weirdly far away. What? I so would... there's two theme parks. I don't know if they just call it that, but, like, Harrisburg is definitely not Hershey. Well, that's just ridiculous. It is preposterous, but anyway, that's where they have their theme park. What state is the largest? At the time, it would be Texas. What state is the next largest? California. That is correct. And we can all agree, fuck Alaska. Yeah. Bunch of useless mountains and shit. Edward, Rhode Island is the smallest state. What is the next smallest state? It's, it's got to be Delaware, right? That is correct. And what's the smallest state after that? <laughs> I want to think... Hmm, man, it is Vermont? It is Connecticut. Dang it. I was between Connecticut, New Hampshire, and Vermont. It was a yeah, toss-up in my head. It was not bad. I would not have been able to pull Delaware out. Yeah. How far is it from New York to San Francisco? It's like... 3,000 miles. Okay. How far is it from New York to Liverpool, England? It is probably like 2,500 miles. Well, less. So Thomas Edison gives 3,300 miles as the difference from distance from New York to San Francisco. Mm -hmm. However, if you use modern ways of measuring it, like Great Circle, it's 2,563 miles. I don't know how they're that far off because they weren't. Yeah, that's like I that's, mean, that's, that's like they were trying to measure it out with shadows and stuff. Yeah, that's like shadows, or maybe they were doing it by like roads at the time. I don't know. 
that is a wildly inaccurate number for the distance there. And how far is it from New York to Liverpool? They give 3,167 and one half nautical miles, uh, which is 3,600 regular miles, when the actual answer is 3,300 miles. Oh, so I thought, for some reason, I thought it was closer. So they are, they are wildly overestimating the distances on the world. So I don't Was that because they were going like along the same lines of latitude? I have no idea. Versus us, you know... Because they didn't have strings in a globe. And I only have the answers that grade. they gave. Okay. I have no idea why it is what it is, but they are super wrong. Hmm. Of what state is Helena the capital? Montana. Yes. Do you know what else Helena, Montana is famous for? No. It is the hometown of L. Ron Hubbard. That, and that's a thing to be famous for. That's a thing to be famous for. Of what state is Tallahassee the capital? Florida. I'd like to read you something from the Tallahassee Democrat. Okay. From recently. A man clad only in his underwear was tased last week after he dashed into the main concourse of the Tallahassee Regional Airport, claiming he had a plane to catch. Police made contact with 26-year-old Chris Haynes after he sped into the airport's main entrance and left his vehicle unattended in the drop-off loading zone just before 4 a.m. on May 5th. Haynes was tased in the back and the buttocks before he was arrested. He was uninjured and was not in possession of an airline ticket. The police report says Haynes possessed nunchucks, but a Tallahassee Police Department spokesman said an officer made an error in writing the report. Haynes did not have any weapons. I don't know how that discrepancy occurred. That's pretty. That's pretty big one. Haynes told police officers he knew the officer was telling him to stop and that he would be tased. After he was detained, he said, I kind of always wanted to be tased. He also told the officer his name was God and he was deep within his sleep, like beyond sleep. Police were unable to tell if Haynes was under the influence at the time. Hmm. It's a heck of a thing to say about Florida that they wouldn't assume that he was under the influence at the time. <laughs> I mean, a Florida man. A Florida man story. Yeah. What state has the largest amethyst mines? Amethysts? Amethyst. I mean, I don't know. Nevada. They have silver there. Virginia. However, I couldn't even find the real answer to this online. Sweet Virginia amethysts. Everybody online just wants to talk about Thunder Bay, Ontario. Like, Canada's amethyst mines are so cool. Hmm. No one wants to talk about the U.S. What is the name of a famous violin maker? Straw. Oh my gosh. Ooh, you were like halfway there. This is, I was watching Antiques Roadshow last night. <laughs> it's like Strata, Stradivarius? Stradivarius. Yes, it is. Oh, thank you. I cannot name another one. No. I Even Antiques Roadshow, fun fact, the violin was worth a lot because it was a really well-made German, from like a century later, Stradivarius recreation. Hmm. Have you like, and I guess the Stradivarius were uniquely great because he had this particular group of trees that he took from oh. that were from the like 14th century ice age. They gave the wood a particular resonance or yeah, like, density yeah. and like sort of structure <laughs> that is was unique to these one like small clump of trees that survived from them, and that's why and that's why they're the best. Or you know. PBS is a bunch of BS. 
Uh, I looked up the name of a couple other ones. J.P. Viom, N. Lupot, B.J. Guarneri, and C. Berganzi. Hmm. At least a couple other ones. But I Stradivarius is literally the only one that I knew. Who invented printing? Gutenberg. Well, he invented the printing press. I, I'm going to go with that. Nobody knows. Well, that's ridiculous. That is a... What kind of question is that? That is the answer to their question is, nobody knows. Someone in China, Japan, or Korea, probably. Like... Like, there's literally not an answer to that question. That's... But did they not have it at the time? Like, was Gutenberg didn't discovered have, later? Didn't have a time. Literally, the answer that they were going with for this quiz at the time was, nobody knows. Okay. Which is a total jackhole move. Why put it on there if you don't know the answer? Anyway. What is shellac? It's a paint-like sealant that you put... I mean, I guess I think of it as like a cheap paint, kind of. But it's sealed, like sort of weather seals. Yeah. Do you know where it comes from? No. I did not know this. It comes out of insects. Insects like goo it out of them, called the lac beetle, hmm. shellac, and it's formed on trees in the East Indies, and it's disgusting. I saw some pictures of it. It is, it is not pleasant at all to look at. What causes the tides? The moon. The moon. What about the moon specifically? Its relative position and its gravitational pull. Gravitational pull. That's what I'm looking for. What causes the change of the seasons? The Earth's axis tilting. All right. Uh, the inclination of the Earth. What is coke? It's a derivative of the coca plant. Also correct, but that's not the coke I'm looking for. There's a coke in, isn't it some sort of mining application? Mm-hmm. But I don't know much more than that. It's a coal, you heat it yes. to a certain extent and you drive off a lot of the volatile components and you're left with like coke ash. Alright. Who knew? What part of the North Atlantic do we get codfish from? <laughs> it's frustrating because I would have said like, well, cods come from the North Atlantic. Aren't they like off the coast of like Newfoundland? Like That is absolutely correct. Yeah. The Newfoundland banks. At least they did in 1921. We don't do it anymore because offshore cod fishing led to a dramatic decrease in cod stocks and the near collapse of the population in 1992. In 1998, the population was 1% of what it was in 1977. We are way too good at fishermen. Like giant, like bluefin tuna population? It's gone. crazy. It's all gone. Uh, there was a fishing ban for 20 years. Uh, I believe starting either 1998 or 1992, uh, there's still not a recovery. Of Why it. is it that ocean apex predators are so much more delicious than land-based apex predators? We're not going around eating tigers and gorillas. You know what? If I... Well, no, that's probably wrong. I was going to say that it might be due to like a size differential that like apex predators in the ocean tend to be a little smaller than... Ones on land, like maybe you just get... No, those tunas meat. are huge. Tunas are huge. I don't know. It's weird. But I try to like... 
Because like conscientiously big, eat my seafood, but the small fish just yeah. suck. Because like big fish they're don't oily taste and fishy. Gross. Oh yeah, they're just so good. Who reached the South Pole? Wasn't it Bird? Larry Bird. Admiral Bird. No, so Cook. No. Mm-mm. Bird. I think it was. Bird. Oh, was that North Pole? I think you're thinking North Pole stuff. That was um. Oh shit. Perry and somebody else. Mm. Who's Admiral Byrd? I have no idea. Dang. Either made up someone completely (laughs) or they have something to do with one of the poles. B-Y-R-D in your brain or B-I-R-D? I I think just B-I-R-D, but... I'll have to look this up. Uh, No. The very first person to do it was Amundsen. Okay. Followed by Scott. And I actually want to do a story about this later because... It involves one of the sickest burns in all of exploration history, and it also has an awful lot of people freezing to death. It's real good stuff. I figured on the freezing. Is there cannibalism? As far as I know, no. But come on. Only because they're like stiff, upper lip British people. I'll I'll do one of them. The story in a nutshell, Amundsen was... Don't spoil it. No. Okay. Coming soon. Coming soon. (laughs) All right. Okay. From where do we import figs? The only fresh fig I've ever had was in Turkey, so we'll go with that. Hey! Turkey makes about 280,000 metric tons, about 50% more than the closest rival. However, in 1921, it was from... He gives the answer of the Smyrna region in Asia Minor, which was formerly Turkish, but since the war has become part of Greece, since then it's gone back to being Turkish. Okay. So it was a contested region that went back and forth. I believe that's the region that I ate the... Because it was very close to Greece. Yeah. What is the longest railroad in the world? The Orient Express. I don't know if that's another name for this. Trans-Siberian Railroad. I think the Orient Express goes on the train. I I think it's a portion of it. If you want to go across the entire Trans-Siberian Railroad, it currently takes six days and four hours, and it goes 5,772 miles. At which point, depending on what your nationality is, you can take it further through North Korea. North Korea. Which, that's, that's a hell of a thing. But I talked to a person who took it, they said it was very boring. Yeah, trains are like majestic in theory yes. kind of thing. Sections were interesting to see like the landscape go by, but you spend a lot of time just being like, well, that's more tundra. I yeah. guess I'm going to read. What is the speed of sound in air? I only have a guess between like 900 and 1100 miles an hour. Or is it it's like 300 meters per second? Yeah, you're, you're pretty close. So it's about 760 miles per hour, or about 340 meters per second in air. Okay, the 300 it's, meters per second. Yeah, it's out. not bad. What is the speed of light? C. Ooh, can you define C for me? <laughs> Technically correct, but... Uh, I believe it's like 186,000 miles per second, something like that. Holy fuck, that is like spot on. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> For the answer they gave, yeah, it's about 3.0 times 10 to the 8th meters per second, or about 186,000 miles per second, through a vacuum. Sure, through space. That's because the sun reaches us at that speed. Through space. But uh, it actually is very different as it passes through water and other stuff. I know. Speed of light through other things is different. Who was Cleopatra, and how did she die? So, she was the uh, fairest 
of Egypt. Mm-hmm. And she died by uh, making asps fight her. At least according to Shakespeare. That is correct. Do you know what her final line is in Antony and Cleopatra by Shakespeare? Mm. There's definitely a time that I did know this. No, I'm not going to try. Is this an asp I see before me? Oh, no. Huh. <laughs> that's, that's how she goes out. Listen, Edward, they can't all be winners. <laughs> Who discovered the law of gravitation? Newton. That is correct. What is the distance between the Earth and the Sun? Man, I'm just reaching back to like 321 contact days of me as a child. Okay, so I said earlier that it's 186,000 miles per second. Yes. Or 3 times 10 to the 8th meters Not helpful per second. for my mental math. Okay. And I seem to remember roughly 8 light seconds. Or is it 8 light minutes? Man, that's a big difference to get from the sun. You probably want to err on the larger side there. Yeah. Four billion miles. Uh, that would put you outside of our solar system, I think. I d- it does? Hmm. What is it? It's about uh, 93... Yeah, 93 million miles. Or okay. about 150 million kilometers. But how many light seconds is that? It's about eight and a half light minutes. It is about eight and a half light minutes. Yeah. I had all the right information and not the uh, sober enough processing Listen, involved. That is the way this goes. I, I thought it was eight minutes. <clears throat> but. What cereal grain is used in all parts of the world? What cereal grain? Mm-hmm. I guess I don't even know what defines a cereal grain. Like a, like wheat or barley or rice or... Yeah. I would say rice is the most ubiquitous. Uh, the answer is none. Uh, Thanks again. Thanks what? for another one. Uh, according to 1921 stuff, no cereal is used in all parts of the world. Who wheat, doesn't eat rice? Wheat is used most extensively with rice and corn next. I think that is a... Edison is a white imperialist. <laughs> I think rice was always the most ubiquitous and continues to be. I think this answer is probably wrong. However, <laughs> this is also a... Maybe douche- not Europeans. I haven't had a lot of white European food. This is also kind rice. of a douche answer again, just like... None. Yeah. None of them. We don't know. Who knows? Why is cast iron called pig iron? I have no idea. I didn't either, and this is another super stupid answer. It's because when they poured it out, it would come out of little rivulets from the main pouring trough, and it would make little bars off of the main bar that looked like tiny pigs sucking on, like the, like piglets sucking on their mother. And so it looked like little pigs, pig iron. I mean, that's a hell of a thing. That's a- <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to say on that one. Can you name three principal acids? I don't really know what that means, so I'm going to guess. Name three types of acids. Hydrochloric. Bing. Acidic. Uh, acidic is the property of an acid. It has acidity. Okay. Sulfuric? Yep. Okay, then thinking through my periodic table of elements. Phosphoric? Yes, there you go. <sighs> Whew. Another odd one. Name three powerful poisons. Hemlock. <laughs> I'll take it. Mercury? Sure. And arsenic. Yes. The three that they gave were arsenic, strychnine, and cyanide. 
Okay. But uh, all, all those work. I feel like that's a really weird question to have on this. I think it might be a way of screening people out that got the question too right. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, ooh boy. Tupac. Tupac. <laughs> Who discovered radium? I mean, I want to say, probably not right, but Marie Curie? Yes. Oh, all right. She won two Nobel Prizes, died of radiation poisoning, her husband was run over by a horse-drawn cart, and one of her kids got a Nobel Prize. There Busy family. What part of Germany did toys come from? That's such a weird question. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. Because I don't think that, like, we bordering don't Bavaria is their fun land. <laughs> <laughs> Toyland is closest related to Cincinnati, if anyone's seen the 80s movies. With, uh, in Toyland. with Keanu Reeves. Oh, young Keanu Reeves, yeah. Young Keanu Reeves is in that. C-I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-I. Yeah, uh, let's see. It's the Oklahoma of Ohio. Yeah. That's... I'm trying to think of any connection. Bavaria. Let's just... Because it's a part of Germany. Edward, toys in Germany come from Nuremberg in the Nuremberg region. Not anymore. Probably based we on... We put an end to that. Probably based on the Bing Toy Factory in Nuremberg, which was the largest in the world at the time, until it closed in 1933, because the Bings were Jewish. It is no longer remembered for toys these days. The Nuremberg trial started in November of 1945 and ended in ten hangings and several suicides before the death sentences could be carried out. You can still tour the Toy Factory. There you go. That's a, a little bit of joy into that bleak... Uh, historical tour. Yeah, that's uh, that one's a real downer. Where do we get peanuts from? Georgia, and Jimmy Carter. In 1921. I mean, peanut trees. That seems. Uh, looking for a location, like U.S. locations that peanuts were grown. It's not Georgia. Georgia is the secondary. That was a cat sneezing. If you heard that. <laughs> I mean, hmm. North Carolina. California. Now those peanuts are the worst. California is since out of the game. Almost none of the U.S. peanut crop comes from California. Georgia is taken at home. However, their answer is California, Georgia, Virginia, and other southern states. Yeah. Just in general, southern states. Boiled peanuts? Pretty good. Kind of weird. Goobers? I've, I've actually... I don't know if I've had a boiled peanut. I probably have at some point. Yeah, like a traditional... Yeah. It's, it's, it's good. Who composed Il Trovatore? The opera. Yeah. Il Trovatore. In it, let's see. Il Trovatore. Um, I'm, Salieri? Verdi. Verdi. It was Verdi. Spoiler alert. They all die at the end. Yeah. I don't like Verdi very much. He did a lot of that, like, <laughs> those runs, like, uh, I don't like that. Not into that. What is the weight of air in a room that is 20 feet by 30 feet by 10 feet? Okay, so first of all, let's talk about the fact that weight, isn't that a meaningless term in this case? We can go by mass. Junior year. The question is, what is the weight? But I'll take mass. What is the weight on Earth? I don't know. An atmosphere? He gives a weird answer saying up to 1,000 pounds for the weight of air. I did the calculation myself, and I came up with that. But isn't weight a well relative term? 
only in terms of the reference body of gravity you're working with. So, so mass, considering we're assuming we're on Earth, the weight of that much air would be zero. No. Air still has a pressure and a weight on it. So like if you're taking the if you're taking the mass of the air within that room, how much does it all weigh? If you compress it down to just like a single, like a cue ball sized thing, how much would that weigh? I don't know if I buy it. That's that's how that works. Up to a thousand pounds is it? He's saying up to a thousand pounds, but the the answer that I got to was about two hundred kilograms or about four hundred and forty one pounds of dry air. So I think he might be including like high humidity or something like that. Where do we get sulfur from? Sulfur? Sulfur. Location again. Okay, I'm just gonna have to once again go by like the only places I've experienced it in mm -hmm. Yellowstone National Park. <laughs> Idaho? Wyoming? We actually have sulfur mines in both Louisiana and Texas. And a lot of that actually has not changed that much today. I can Louisiana. They have salt mines and they have sulfur mines. Alright, fair enough. The major producers of it are the Chinese, US, Canada, and Russia today. But US still does a lot of it. What we, do we do with sulfur? We do a lot of things with sulfur. It's used in doping. You put sulfur in a lot of additives for chemicals. You either make... Use so it's it, an additive? You can do that or you can use it to make sulfuric acid, which is used in an awful lot of chemical processes for industry. Sure. Acid rain. Mm-hmm. There you go. Who discovered how to vulcanize rubber? Spock. Live long, <laughs> prosper, vulcanize uh, rubber. Mr. Goodyear. Yes, Charles Goodyear. However, he received the patent and credit, although Thomas Hancock had a patent waiting for review eight weeks earlier. Smugglers, we know. All the Hancocks. <laughs> Pirates. Who invented the cotton gin? Eli Whitney. Eli Whitney. This confuses me to this day. Why do we make everybody learn this? Like, everybody knows that Eli Whitney created the cotton gin. And there's an important reason to know that, but do you know what that answer is? Because I had to look it up. So, I guess I would assume, and I could be taking too broad a perspective on this, slavery and cotton production was... I mean, the slavery was crucial to it, but it was not sort of a scalable thing. Mm -hmm. But the cotton gin kind of allowed it to be this profitable and scalable thing. Like, the more and more slaves you had just for picking, it could get processed. You didn't have those increased costs on both sides. That is absolutely correct. Yeah. And, but I don't remember them ever... So, good, like, it led to an explosion of it. Because yes. it was, because as long, especially because when your labor costs were so low through scale... Slavery, you now are scalable. And yes. Could it could explode. I don't remember them ever talking about that in like fifth grade and they're like, who invented the cotton gin? Eli Whitney did. Let's move on. Yeah. We have a teacher here who wants to add a few words about this because I would love to hear. It's a fifth grade uh, social studies teak, which means that in the state of Texas, you're required basically to t teach about Eli Whitney and the cotton gin. So you actually do carry over and say why it was an important contribution to yes. the increase in slavery in the South. Absolutely. And the reason I came in here right now is because I was looking for, I actually have examples of cotton seeds and actual cotton still on the stem that we show in the classroom. And because conceptually it's a really, it's hard to think about if you've actually never seen the whole idea of like having the... Uh, kind of pokey mm -hmm, stem mm -hmm. with the cotton and the cotton seed deep embedded inside yeah. of it. So 
I was like, oh my gosh, I have to come out. Oh my yeah. goodness, because literally all I can remember fifth grade is they're like, Eli Whitney invented the cotton gin. Also, he's from Yale. Moving on. And yeah, like, well, it's just like, so if we didn't have a uh, mass manufacturing process for silicon chips and stuff, there wouldn't be any point to force all those Chinese people to yeah. live in those <laughs> factories that they want to jump out the windows of so they have the nets and stuff. Thanks, you know? Foxconn. What is glass made of? <laughs> nope, you can use the. You can. Uh, it's a team, team sport. All right. What is glass made of? Or as they phrased it, of what is glass made? Sand. Sand. A fusion of silica, silica. usually mm. in the form of natural sand. What is a foot pound? It's not like some weird equivalent of a newton, is it, right? It is equivalent to a newton meter or a joule. Yeah, the amount of energy it takes to move something a direct... A... Yeah. Okay. So based on the name foot pound, could you give me a rough idea about what that amount of energy is? The amount to move something that weighs a pound, one foot. Uh, specifically against gravity, but yes, that is correct. Not to be confused with the pound foot, which is the unit of torque. I'm glad you asked the other one. Foot pound, pound foot. What star has been recently measured and found to be of enormous size? <laughs> you asked that like it's... Um, let's go with the North Star. I actually don't know what star the North Star is. Alright, to Google. Polaris is the North Star. Mm. No. Dang. Do you have another guess? Alpha Centauri. I don't think that's what they named it. No. Unamas. I'd say this is probably the third most recognizable star. Not sure. No. Betelgeuse. Hmm. I don't know how they determined how this was an enormous star in 1921. If Betelgeuse was in our solar system, the surface would extend past the asteroid belt and possibly to the orbit of Jupiter. That's really big. That's a really, really big star. I mean, it still doesn't make sense to me how they measure the size of stars. It's all this phase shifting and... I, I understand they do it now where you have really good sensitive telescopes to do this kind of work. I have no idea how you do that in 1921 where literally all you have is an optical telescope. Mm -hmm. They, uh, they nail it though. What is the highest mountain in the world? Everest. That's correct. Okay. I was worried yeah. about what was happening in 1921. Uh, what is the Taj Mahal? It's uh, the burial site of for a uh, beloved wife of an Indian Hindu. That is correct. Emperor. Empress. Although I actually believe he was uh, Muslim. Was he Muslim? That's what I read. They were saying that the burial chamber is very spare because there's a edict against having very highly decorated grave sites huh. for I Muslims. I, guess I, was, I, was in there. I could be wrong. Who wrote the Star Spangled Banner? Francis Scott Key. Francis Scott Key wrote the words. Who wrote the music for the Star Spangled Banner? An asshole. He was an asshole. Yeah, I don't know. John Spofford Smith wrote the music, and it was used for a drinking song for the Anacreonic Club in London around 1780. I'd like to read you the original words to the Star-Spangled Banner. 
because I cannot figure out how these went to the music to it. Mm, okay. To Anacreon in heaven, where he sat in full glee, a few sons of harmony sent a petition that he their inspirer and patron would be. When this answer arrived from the jolly old Grecian, voice fiddle and flute, no longer be mute, I'll lend you my name and inspire you to boot, and besides I'll instruct you like me to entwine the myrtle of Venus with Bacchus's vine. I get the end. I get the end. I spent like two minutes trying to sit there and sing it out to myself. Could not do it. You put a lot of effort on that one. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> two minutes. Wow. Hey. All right. There's a, there's a lot of questions here. <laughs> Who was Martin Luther? The dirty, dirty Protestant. Who wrote his 99 Theses. As a Catholic, that's a lot, how I'm allowed to answer that. Yeah. 95 Theses nailed to the door of the church in Wittenberg in 1517. He was super angry about indulgences. Yeah. What is the chief acid in vinegar? What is the chief acid in vinegar? Vinegar is like just one, basically just one thing. Citric acid? Citric is what's in like oranges and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I don't know though. Acetic acid. Oh. Who wrote Don Quixote? Uh, Cervantes. Miguel Cervantes. Part 1 in 1605, part 2 in 1615, world's first modern novel. Yep. Who wrote Les Miserables? Oh, Lord. Mm. Won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Mm. Oh, man. This is really frustrating. I'll give you a hint. He was French. Yeah, I know. I knew that much. It was. <laughs> oh my gosh. He had a giant state funeral. This is so frustrating. I think he also wrote Hunchback of Notre Dame. Hmm. I think if you'd asked those last two questions in the opposite order, I would have gotten them both right. But mm, it was right there. You don't have to give me credit, but give me the first letter. V. Victor Hugo? Yes. Victor Hugo, 1862. I also would have accepted lyrics by Herbert Kretzner and book by Trevor Nunn. Trevor Nunn. <laughs> what place is the greatest distance below sea level on land? Death Valley, California. Close. I thought I was this thing. Death Valley, Arizona? That's Death Valley's thing. The Dead Sea? The answer that I have is the Dead Sea, so I'll have to double-check that. I assumed that, that was still right. I thought Death Valley was lost. All right. Remember. Googling. Do Googling. Do Google music. Do 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 Ooh. The Dead Sea, its surface and shores are 1,407 feet below sea level, Earth's lowest elevation on land. Wow. So it was and remains... The lowest point on the Earth's surface. Edward, what are axe handles made of? Nice, solid birch. Ooh. I'm sorry, can you give me a different kind of wood that axe handles might be made of? <sighs> really good elm. And uh, you think you'd actually break it up by region of the United States? Southern elm? Northern elm? 
Ash is generally used in the East and hickory in the West. What kind of question is that? That is a bullshit question. And did you have to know both? Did you have to know the answer to both where people have preferences on axe handles? What type of wood? Oh, that's such a garbage question. Who made the thinker? Oh, God. Mmm. Well, this is just so frustrating. Edward is currently in the pose oh. of the thinker. <laughs> Contemplating. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to remember. Nah, you can just tell me. August Rodin. Rodin. Damn it. Uh, the first one was made in 1902. They did 28 casts uh, that currently exist. And the first one is currently at... Any thoughts? Any the ideas? first thinker? Where, the very first thinker that was cast. Where do you think it is? Huh. I, um, I don't know. Barcelona? University of Louisville in Kentucky. Well, hell. The very first one is sitting there on their campus. There you go. Interesting. Why is a Fahrenheit thermometer called Fahrenheit? Because the guy's name was Fahrenheit. That is correct. What insect carries malaria? Mosquitoes. They kill about 725,000 people per year. So they do. What country has the largest output of nickel in the world? I... Mm, never even considered this. Let's guess somewhere... Australia. No, it is Canada. Huh. So... The Australians of the North. Sudbury, Ontario has a giant nickel erected in their town. And it turns out that Thomas Edison actually discovered the major ore deposit there in 1901. So that kind of answers how this question ended up yeah. on this quiz. Uh, I also have a friend who works at Laurentian University in Sudbury. And that's uh, Nadia. So if you're listening, Nadia. Hi, how's it going? This question's for you. What city on the Atlantic seaboard is the greatest pottery center. <laughs> the greatest pottery center. The greatest pottery center. So definitive. That's big. Baltimore. Trenton, New Jersey. Trenton, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> So, Edward, I don't know if you remember when you went through Trenton, there's a giant sign across the bridge. Yeah, it doesn't say anything about pottery. It says, Trenton makes, the world takes. Our pottery? Everything. However, so. this is no longer true, as Trenton makes nothing, and the state of New Jersey is their primary employer. Yeah. Yeah. And the last question, what is the lightest wood... What is the lightest wood? What wood has the lightest, the smallest Lowest density? density? Driftwood? Think back to your childhood. Making planes, throwing them around. Balsa wood? Balsa wood. All right. That's the answer in 2016. Any clue what the answer was in 1921? Basewood. Basewood. So basewood has a density of about 30 pounds per cubic foot. Balsa wood 
is about 10 pounds per cubic foot, but in their answer, they're saying, it has been recently asserted that balsa found in South America may be the lightest. So they had literally like just run across balsa wood at that point. It's definitely light. It is very, very light. All right, uh, give me just a quick minute. I'm going to tally your score. All right, I'll and... give you 52 seconds. Then. A very quick minute. Okay. So, you answered 49 questions correctly out of 75. I'm pretty proud of that. To 65%, which is not bad. Yeah, I don't get a job. I'm sad to report that you will not be receiving an offer at Edison Edison and more Edison. That's wrong, I will. Okay. Because tests like this clearly <laughs> exist to have moving goalposts for people that you want to give jobs. Yeah. My dad is successful and connected. I'll get this job. Okay. Yeah. I that's that's weirdly prescient because um Edison's own son did very poorly on this test, and Edison pulled him aside and was like, listen, you're getting a job anyway, don't worry about it. <laughs> so yeah. that's most of the point of a lot of these. He's trying to test the whatever kind of crap you learned in nineteen sixteen uh education or whatever he decided was important. We can see at least that these uh, these kinds of tests were very different than a lot of the tests that are administered today. A lot more focus on the classics. But there were an awful lot of, and I skipped a chunk of them, uh, highly technical questions that involved calculations and having to crank through things. But just sort of a coda on all of this. By 1914, uh, Edison's Industrial Park had expanded into West Orange, New Jersey, and it was somewhere in the neighborhood of about 20 buildings large. And on December 10th, 1914, a chemical fire started and gave rise to an explosion that set fire to 10 of the buildings in the complex. At least six fire departments arrived to fight the fire, uh, but that probably wasn't doing much good because these things had just enormous stores of magnesium in them. Ooh, that stuff burns hot. Burns real, real hot, and uh, water's not going to do an awful lot to put it out. So as the fire burned the chemical stores, it was tinged green and blue in this deep red color. And Edison, who was standing there and watching, told his son, go get your mother and all of her friends. They'll never see a fire like this again. And they all just came out and watched these buildings burn to the ground in these enormous plumes of fire and all these different hues. The fire damage was about a million dollars in 1914 dollars which is about 23 million in 2014 bucks. And the insurance only covered about a third of it. Hmm. So with the fire burning behind him, uh, Edison was talking to a New York Times reporter who just happened to be there covering the whole thing. Although I am over 67 years old, I'll start it all over tomorrow again. He started rebuilding. He didn't fire anybody. And the next year they made $10 million or about $230 million in 2014 dollars. Nice. So I guess that's the value of having good employees. And uh, hiring your friends. And hiring your friends. Under a BS test. Yeah. <laughs> Under a total bullshit test that wants to know if you know anything about the Sargasso Sea. Uh, early on, General Electric started operating as a monopoly. That's the American way. Yeah. They all did. So, Edward, how do you how do you feel about this whole thing? Test A little and... used. <laughs> Sneak it on you. Throw it yeah. on you unawares. I was totally unaware of what this would be about, other than I felt unqualified to be on a science story time. Well. Podcast. You did 65%, and uh, I, I confess I think I did lower than that, so you're... Yeah, I'm great. 
Well, Edward, thank you so much for being on this, and uh, we can shuffle you off to bed. You got a big day at work tomorrow. <laughs> Good night. Good night. The names of all 50 states and their capitals. Okay. Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Indianapolis, Indiana, and Columbus is the capital of Ohio. There's Montgomery, Alabama, south of Helena, Montana, then there's Denver, Colorado, under Boise, Idaho. Texas has Austin, then we go north to Massachusetts, Boston, and Albany, New York. Tallahassee, Florida, and Washington, D.C. Santa Fe, New Mexico, and Nashville, Tennessee. Elvis used to hang out there a lot, you know. Trenton's in New Jersey, north of Jefferson, Missouri. You got Richmond in Virginia, South Dakota has Pierre, Harrisburg's in Pennsylvania, and Augusta's up in Maine. And here is Providence, Rhode Island, next to Dover, Delaware. Concord, New Hampshire, just a quick jaunt to Montpelier, which is up in Vermont. Hartford's in Connecticut, so pretty in the fall. And Kansas has Topeka, Minnesota has St. Paul. Juno's in Alaska, and there's Lincoln in Nebraska, and it's Raleigh out in North Carolina, and then there's Madison, Wisconsin, and Olympia in Washington, Phoenix, Arizona, and Lansing, Michigan. Here's Honolulu, Hawaii's a joy, Jackson, Mississippi, and Springfield, Illinois, South Carolina with Columbia down the way, and Annapolis and Maryland on Chesapeake Bay. They have wonderful clown chowder. Cheyenne is in Wyoming, and perhaps you make your home in Salt Lake City, out in Utah, where the buffalo roam. Atlanta's down in Georgia, and there's Bismarck, North Dakota, and you can live in Frankfurt in your old Kentucky home. Salem in Oregon, from there we join. Little Rock in Arkansas, Iowa's got Des Moines, Sacramento, California, Oklahoma, and its city. Charleston, West Virginia, and Nevada, Carson City. That's all the capitals there are. We're getting there. Podcast. So are you gonna are you going to um, cut it down at all? Yes. You're gonna like take the best ones. Oh no no no! All the questions are going in. Yeah. But uh, it's just trimming out the uh, like this part right here is all gonna disappear. Is this is this recording? Yeah, it's still going. That's bullshit. But why? <laughs> I don't want to be in the pot. Also, babe, you say. Are like. you are you, you sure you like don't want to be? Lot. I say no. like too. Yeah, Oprah hired me to teach her how to scuba dive, but she's really afraid of water, so we had to start in the shower. <laughs>